A lot of people consider Mark Twain's Adventures of Huckleberry Finn a perfect novel with a terrible ending. However, I think he might have inadvertently or intentionally created one of the greatest heroes of all time by making the ending terrible. Let me explain. But first thing first. Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn raises two important questions. First, how some individuals, shackled by society's conventional moral values, break through to become bigger than themselves. How do you know if some of society's moral codes are wrong? What are the three stages of moral learning? The second question the novel asks is this. Which hero resonates better with the reader? An accidental hero who finds himself in the midst of a problem and rises up to the challenge? Or an intentional hero who sees a problem from a distance, does a risk analysis and then tries to rescue someone? In this video, I'll summarize how Calabari Finn discusses themes and answer two important questions. Published in 1884, Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn is one of the first great American novels written in vernacular English, narrated by an illiterate 13-year-old boy. Set along the Mississippi River, it's a social satire against inequality and slavery. Despite the novel having been subjected to various censorship for its use of the N-word, according to another American great, Ernest Hemingway, all American literature comes from Huckleberry Finn. But who was Mark Twain, the father of American literature? Born in 1835, Mark Twain's real name was Samuel Clemens. As a young man, he worked on a boat as a pilot on the Mississippi River, the setting of his masterpiece, Huckleberry Finn. But here's a tragic twist. He enjoyed his work so much that he encouraged his brother to join him. Then disaster. His brother died when a boat boiler exploded, leaving Twain with the guilt for the rest of his life. With deep suffering also comes great artistic genius. To make matters worse, Twain in fact had dreamt the death of his brother a month prior to the accident. As a result of this tragic experience, Twain became very interested in parapsychology, so much so that he in fact predicted his own death. Since he was born when Halley's Comet got the closest to Earth in 1835, he predicted his death in 1910, when the comet again came close to Earth's orbit. Incidentally, Leo Tolstoy also died in the same year. Mark Twain set his novel in St. Petersburg, America, while Tolstoy wrote about the other St. Petersburg in Russia. Twain also loved science and was a close friend of Nikola Tesla. Summary We are in St. Petersburg, not the cold city of Dostoevsky. We are in the US, most likely in the city of Hannibal, Missouri. A little boy named Huckleberry Finn narrates his own story. He's 13 or 14 years old and uneducated, so he speaks in a very coarse dialect. The story begins when he's found a big stash of cash with the help of his buddy, Tom Sawyer, the hero of Mark Twain's young adult novel. But here we have more serious novel in our hands. Without the care of his parents, Huckleberry has grown into a wild boy, unkempt hair, unbrushed teeth, and knows very little about the world. His education is basically some basic church teachings. But now he's put under the supervision of a woman, Widow Douglas, whose job is to educate and civilize him. Now that he's found some treasure, everybody's claiming him, including his drunkard father. When the father fails to legally get his son, he uses the old trusted method. He kidnaps Huckleberry and takes him to his little cabin in the woods. 
Why not? It's his own son. Huckleberry, however, is not happy with either situation. He doesn't like his father and he certainly doesn't like the widow Douglas' rough hands in civilizing him. He wants to be free. He's 13 years old, which means he has most likely hit puberty and he wants freedom which is the main theme of the novel. But here's a caveat though. We are in the 19th century America, perhaps 1840s, when Mark Twain was growing up on the banks of the Mississippi River, where slavery was still legal. So freedom here is not about speech or expression, it's serious business. Huckleberry is a resourceful boy. He has to because he has grown up without parents. To escape his father, he fakes his own death and gets on a raft and heads down the Mississippi River. Yes, death lets you free, but most crucially the river also means freedom. Now society has no power over you, you are at the mercy of the river and gravity. The river takes you where the river takes you, that Taoistic flow. You sit and the water takes you places. But he's not the only one on the run. Along the way he meets Jim, our second most important character in the novel. Who is Jim? He's not a boy but a grown man. Why is he on the run? It turns out Jim is a slave to Widow Douglas's sister, Miss Watson, and he too is on the run. Huckleberry is on the run from his father and guardian, while Jim is on the run from the system. So we have two rebels, two outlaws and two outsiders. History is about victors, while literature is about outsiders. Huckleberry's English is pretty rough, but Jim's English is a lot tougher to understand. Here Twain throws a few spanners in the works. When your freedom is the river, the last thing you want is a flood. Things get really rough in the dark, but luckily the two survive. But the flood exposes something else. Jim discovers a shocking secret. Huckleberry's father is dead, but he keeps his secret from the boy. Huckleberry too discovers something shocking. While in town, he hears the news that there is a reward for capturing Jim. Why? Well, first Jim has an owner, so he can't be running away. Second, remember that Huckleberry faked his own death? Well, according to the media, Jim has to be the murderer, which explains his escape. So out in the world, everyone thinks Huckleberry is dead and Jim has killed him. But of course, neither fact is true. But who cares, once you are implicated, you are hunted down. Both are on the run from society's cruelty. Jim tries to be free from society's terrible practice of slavery, and Huckleberry tries to get away from the cruelty of grown-ups. This grown-up business became the main theme of J.D. Salinger's The Catcher in the Rye, which I already discussed here. Along the way, they come across a variety of characters, including scheming thieves, murderers, charlatan swindlers. It seems there are a lot of people on the run or live outside the boundaries of the civilized world and the river is where they all hang out. Jim and Huckleberry also develop a deeper friendship. They're happy and free. Quote, it's lovely to live on a raft. We had the sky up there all speckled with stars and we used to lay on our backs and look up at them and discuss about whether they was made or only just happened. Jim he allowed they was made, but I allowed they happened. I judged it would have took too long to make so many. But it's a precarious kind of friendship. You got a white boy and a black man. At one point, Huckleberry tricks Jim into believing that he was dreaming of an incident in which the two got separated due to fog. When he reveals that it was not true, Jim is pretty upset and disappointed in Huck. Here Twain shows how slavery had dehumanized the black people. When Huckleberry notices Jim's disappointment in being tricked by his friend, the boy realizes that Jim, a black man, also has feelings. 
and he's pretty hurt by the betrayal. This is an incredible strong teachable moment for the young Huck, who for the very first time perhaps sees Jim as a full human being. He describes Jim as being white on the inside, meaning he's a human being despite society teaches him otherwise. But Huckleberry still has a dilemma. Just remember, he's only 13 at the time. So not only he's committing a crime by aiding an escaping slave, but he's also committing a sin based on the teachings of the church. So not only he's angering the legal system, he's also angering God. Quote, it got to troubling me so I couldn't rest, I couldn't stay still in one place. It hadn't ever come to me before what this thing was I was doing, but now it did, and it stayed with me and scourged me more and more. I tried to make out to myself that I weren't to blame because I didn't run Jim off from his rightful owner, but it was in no use. Conscience up and says every time, but you know he was running for his freedom and you could have paddled ashore and told somebody. That was so I couldn't get around that no way. That was where it pinched. However, spending time with Jim, he realized that Jim is a good person. He doesn't deserve to be caught by the police. Jim is also incredibly thankful to Huck for helping him out. Mark Twain is a master of portraying the moral dilemma of a teacher. He's really torn on the inside. Quote, what is the use you're learning to do right when it's troublesome to do right and ain't no trouble to do wrong? And the wage is just the same. What does he do? Huckleberry is young and American. Americans are pragmatists. He decides to go what is practical at the time when he has to make that decision. Finally, he decides to turn Jim in because that's the right thing to do. But at the very last minute, his heart empowers his rational head. So he changes his mind. So Jean-Jacques Rousseau was right. Humans are born good, but society corrupts them. When the white men show up to search for Jim, Huckleberry lies to them, which saves Jim from being captured. But they're not out of the water yet. Now the two fugitives have no other options but to flee on their raft towards the northeast of the US where slaves are freed. They head to Cairo, not Egypt, a small town in the US, located on the confluence of two major rivers, Ohio and Mississippi. From there they plan to head north on the Ohio River. That sounds like a perfect plan, but unfortunately they miss their stop and things go really really south. The Mississippi River flows into the Gulf of Mexico, so it takes the fugitives deeper into the slave territories of the Deep South. When they realize that they have passed the free state, they have no option but to continue since, since it's hard for them to go against the river flow. But to make matters worse, they accidentally hit a steamer and two friends get separated. While alone, Huckleberry witnesses a bizarre family feud that has been going on for decades, which has resulted in the death of all male members. Mark Twain is teaching his teenage hero about the harsh reality of life and how violence destroys families. Once reunited, the two meet some con artists who pretend to be a duke and a king. They recruit Huckleberry and Jim as props to swindle people in town. Things go well at first, but people catch up to their game so they escape from town to town. The swindlers even manage to sell Jim to someone as a slave. Huckleberry has a real mission in his hand, he has to rescue his friend. Here things go south for Mark Twain and the novel. The ending of the novel has been the subject of so much criticism. So far the novel has been fantastic and incredibly beautiful, but the ending is a bit awkward. To rescue Jim, Twain invites his other superhero, Tom Sawyer, to turn the story into a Hollywood movie. It's been suggested that when Mark Twain started writing Huckleberry Finn, he wanted to write a sequel to his successful young adult novel. 
The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Even in the beginning of this novel, that's how Twain starts telling the story of Huckleberry Finn in relations to Tom Sawyer. I guess he wanted to capitalize on the success of his other novel. Quote, you don't know about me unless you have read a book by the name of The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. But that ain't no matter. That book was made by Mr. Mark Twain. And he told the truth, mainly. There are things which he stretched, but mainly he told the truth. That's nothing. But the two novels are worlds apart, and their depth and themes. One is a teenager's adventures and mischiefs. The other is perhaps the greatest American novel of all time. It's more than that. It has America as a character. It's history. It's a mirror to look at. So perhaps Twain was trying to patch the two books together, but they are apples and oranges. It turns out Jim's owner, Mitz Watson, is dead, but before she died, she had freed Jim and her will. To make matters worse, Tom Sawyer also knew this, but he wanted to play the hero's role of rescuing Jim. So it's a fake in acting. So as it stands, Jim's owner, Miss Watson, and Huckleberry's father are both dead. This means both are free to return home. Freedom at last. Analysis. Individual versus Society. As I said earlier, the novel poses two fundamental questions. One, on how individuals rise up against society's moral values, and two, who makes a better hero? The question of morality is very central to the novel. Huckleberry Finn has a serious dilemma in helping Jim escape slavery. In 1956, Lawrence Kohlberg conducted a 20-year-long study of how children learn morality, involving 56 boys aged 10 to 16 who were tested every three years. According to this study, we humans go through three different levels of moral development. First, in the pre-conventional stage, we associate good and bad with reward and punishment, or carrot and stick. In other words, we learn morality by its outcome in terms of rewards and punishment. Parents or society rewards good behaviors and punish bad ones. In the second level, or conventional stage, we understand the intention behind moral behavior. So not only we understand the outcome in terms of reward and punishment, but we also know why an action is considered morally good or bad by the society. At this point, we set our goals to maximize the good actions while minimizing the bad ones in order to conform to society and navigate social conventions. The third level or post-conventional stage is when we move beyond conformity. It means we see an action, while acceptable in society, is not morally good. For instance, if you serve a repressive regime or a bad institution, you stand up and raise your hands, which might result in you being punished. Whistleblowers are an example. Huckleberry's major dilemma is whether he should stick with society's moral value, which tells him not to help an escapee slave, or judge Jim directly through his actions. Huckleberry sees nothing bad about Jim. He realizes he's just as deserving to be free as anyone else. He learns this firsthand by spending time with Jim. You could say his philosophy is more pragmatic, meaning he judges things based on his firsthand experience. But he also listens to his heart, which tells him to ignore society's morality. You could say that morality is practiced, not taught. His church teaching didn't help him make the right choice. Instead, his own direct experience gave him the right answer. It's also crucial to point out that Mark Twain puts two outsiders together, which makes it easier to have empathy for each other as they both suffer due to other people's cruelty. Huckleberry is running from his father and guardian while Jim from his owner, so both authority figures are seen as repressive. 
As individuals, we are at the mercy of society or family, which is a game of chance as to what kind of society you are born into. Huckleberry and Jim take the matters in their own hands to liberate themselves. Perhaps Twain was emphasizing the madness of slavery by making a 13-year-old white boy the hero, because all the grown-ups had vested interest in slavery. Only children were able to see past someone's color. This is very different from Russian literature in which the focus is always on the negative side of young people's actions. The youth are often seen as naively trying to change society by destroying its moral and social fabrics. But here, Mark Twain's hero, Huckleberry, has no political or social agenda of his own, but only wants to help his friend and inadvertently becomes a social justice warrior of sort. Which brings me to the second question. Two Times a Hero The second question is the genius of Mark Twain in juxtaposing two different kinds of heroes. Huckleberry, an accidental hero, and Tom Sawyer, a calculated hero. The ending of the novel, according to many, is his weakest point, but perhaps inadvertently Mark Twain exposes something else. It shows that an accidental hero who finds himself in the midst of a dilemma and rises up to the challenge is far superior than an intentional hero who sees an action from a distance and then decides to join to pay the role of a rescuer. Tom Sawyer's involvement at the end further cements the superiority of Huckleberry Finn as a more profound hero. Why? Because he doesn't know he's a hero, while Tom is well aware of his role. I think in real life too, a lot of people, often ordinary people who rise up to the challenge in everyday situations, who do incredible things yet don't even realize their heroism themselves. Today our attention is more on the sensational tales often shoved onto us by the media, while neglecting the everyday heroes like your parents, your neighbors, your teachers, or the more strangers who do things that might benefit you. Mark Twain wanted to show that anyone is capable of being a hero if pushed to his limit, even an uneducated and rough teenager. Between Tom and Huck, we know that Tom is far smarter, yet Huck's heroism is in his simplicity or naivety, a diamond in the rough so to speak. Twain polishes him and captures this teenage voice beautifully. You could say that in Huckleberry Finn, two opposite ends of literary heroes come together. Huckleberry is a combination between Don Quixote's naive honesty and Hamlet's moral dilemma. As a result, Huckleberry's voice is one of the most beautiful in literature, perhaps because he was an illiterate boy who spoke in the language of his own. When the book was published, the literary dinosaurs thought it was vulgar, because it wasn't written in the refined literary language of the established literary giants. Some libraries banned the book considering it trashy. Louisa May Alcott, the author of Little Women, thought Twain's novel was a bad influence on the youth for its colloquial language. Today, of course, people have issues with the novel for an entirely different reason. The use of the N-word and the depiction of Jim make a lot of readers uncomfortable. There are a few scenes that from today's standard might be questionable. For example, Jim thinks French people are humans, therefore should speak English. This sounds childish, but I do not know how much someone like Jim knew about the world. As a result, some schools and libraries have banned the book. I think the novel can teach young people a great deal. Despite having no education, Huckleberry is incredibly resourceful and practically smart. So you could say Huckleberry is a true American hero, pragmatic, resourceful and proactive to better his and his friends' lives. It can teach us to become bigger than ourselves, better than ourselves. By introducing Tom at the end, Mark Twain accidentally perhaps shows that a true hero is not an outsider coming to rescue a victim, 
but someone who is a victim himself who liberates himself and his friend. Huckleberry doesn't think he's either a victim or a hero, but he single-handedly revolutionized American literature. But he also showed that anyone can be heroic, but you have to be genuine first. Quote, you're going to have considerable trouble in your life and considerable joy. Sometimes you're going to get hurt and sometimes you're going to get sick, but every time you're going to get well again. Thank you for watching. Just a quick announcement, I have just started a Patreon page. For those who don't know, it's a website where people support online creators they like. There are a few benefits of joining my Patreon. There are a few tiers you can choose from, so I really appreciate you considering to be my benefactor to support me in covering the costs of hardware, books, storage space, and and other related costs of maintaining a channel and podcast. Check out my Patreon page for more details. As always, thank you so much for your support. Without your support, the channel would not have existed. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.